Good morning. Good morning. Well, to our viewers out there, um, we did have a few technical difficulties today, but luckily we've managed to sort through them with a couple of hacks because, you know, we've got to be crafty in the working world. Um, so I would love to welcome my guest this morning, Stephanie Bermudez. Stephanie and I work together in the organization CoShare, and Stephanie has created quite an amazing internship program for CoShare to pilot, and has also created internships at co-working spaces that she's worked at. I'm really excited to talk today about internships because I think that internships are things that can potentially benefit um, the community as well as the interns as well as the staff of a co-working space as long as everything is done really well. <laughs> it's also a really daunting process um, and I talk to a lot of community managers who would like to have interns but they're not really sure how to go about um, finding the right intern and developing an intern program that works for everybody and isn't exploitative. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce Stephanie now and we'll get talking about these amazing internships that she's creating. Hi Stephanie. Hi Iris. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. It's a good day in Tucson. <laughs> I'm good. Well tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and then we'll dive in. Sure. I've been uh, mostly involved for the majority of my adult career in working with youth. Um, I started really early on um, in my really young years mentoring young professionals here in our community with the intention or the vision of um, promoting things that were happening in our local community so that we could retain our talent um, here in Tucson and at the same time attract new talent. There was a lot of information that I learned um, while I was um, going through the process of integrating myself into the organization Tucson Young Professionals. And there were just these patterns that kept coming up. And two of the, the, the main things that I was hearing from young professionals and the reason that they were struggling was that the world was essentially changing as far as the, the workforce went and the jobs that were available to them. So we, as millennials, started college with the idea that if we went through a four-year degree, we would graduate and successfully land into a position um, in the field that we um, that we that we mastered in in college and unfortunately for our generation that is not the case <laughs> there are plenty of individuals out there having moved to Tucson from San Francisco you know people with master's degrees working at Starbucks just trying to get by looking for their next opportunity and not being able to get hired because there's been an influx of graduates out of universities and a downfall in the job market. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that the way in which people work was changing all at the same time. So um, experience has always been of great value for anybody that's looking for um, a job, but nowadays more so than ever because a college degree is no longer something that is rare or really in, in a lot of ways rewarded with those positions that we thought we would be when we graduated from college. So you see the problem. Yeah. Experience is very valuable. And I was eager to find a solution to the problem so that we could continue to keep our young professionals here in our community and within a couple of years of exploring and trying um, some programs with uh, TEDx Tucson and um, uh, Tucson Social Society, 
soon after that, I stumbled upon a co-working opportunity in downtown Tucson, and it changed everything because I, through the co-working space, I was able to implement a full force um, internship program based off of the knowledge that I had gained the uh, two years prior to creating that. So it was almost a perfect circumstance because the developers were at the time of creating this co-working space were really looking at only hiring one employee, mm-hmm. which was a struggle for me as the one employee <laughs> because there was just so much to get done. And at that point, uh, our co-working space was still in, um, in beta. And we had what we suspected was about six months before we launched the co-working space, which really extended out into a year. And it was, it was quite the blessing because it allowed us to not only really um, integrate our interns and um, stabilize the internship program, but really have everybody on deck when we were ready to launch the co-working space. Mm-hmm. So today, uh, fast forward into the future, I've taken those skills that I've learned over the past few years and have implemented a pilot program for CoShare, the National Coworking Association. And I'm currently working with two students from the University of Arizona on piloting this program. Um, with the bigger vision being to support co-working spaces nationwide um, a couple of different ways, twofold. One way to teach them how to run successful co-working spaces, I'm sorry, pardon, successful internship programs in their co-working spaces. And then secondary, um, by preparing the, the our interns within CoShare to potentially move into um, roles and and positions that are available uh, within the co-working industry. Right, so really um, actually placing um, interns, placing trained people into positions in co-working, which is a daunting thing when you're looking for uh, staff to staff your space, um, either because you as the single operator um, need help or because you're ready to um, pass the wand um, on to somebody new and um, and and take a take a step out of the daily runnings of your business. Um, it can be really hard to find um, the right combination of skills in your local market and then train that person. And I really think it takes about six months to really for somebody to get up to speed to everything that can happen in a co-working space and even close to a year to really master the position. Um, and so starting off with, interns who have been trained um, and and then are ready to be placed is a win-win for both. Um, that means that uh, the co-working community gets a well-trained workforce and it means that we're creating jobs for the future. Which is really exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the revolution of work, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, what is your process for designing a meaningful internship program when that is um, is both meaningful and impactful in the community and also um, meaningful for the intern? Um, and, you know, I think oftentimes people look at interns as free labor, and so often that means that a, a person is being exploited 
um, and and asked to do things that are really not actually legal for interns to do, like business operations. I mean, I live in the state of California, and California is incredibly strict on what um, interns can do, basically what free labor can do for your business. Um, so how um, how do you design a meaningful internship program? Um, you know, that takes into account all of those factors. It, the first step in, in developing an internship program is really to do, lay out all of the expectations. Um, by now, because there has been a history in people developing what they consider volunteer internships um, that are, at the end, quite frankly, very abusive to the intern because they're given task without any real expectation, without any real reward. Um, and the intern is left to feel alone and not successful and not rewarded. And it's just not a win-win for everybody. So from the inception of establishing a program, it's really important that you choose the partnering organization, which in my experience has been local high schools uh, art institutes and the University of Arizona, both through their career services department, but then also um, attending local events where students are available looking for internship programs and establishing those relationships, but at the same time working with the leaders within your own organization on really defining what the needs of your organization are what the expectations of an intern would be, the role that they would play within your organization, and whatever agreement or benefit is available to all three parties, or two, depending on how the internship program is structured. So pay is obviously important in, uh, or reward is important in an internship program. It doesn't always have to be monetary, I've run a couple of internship programs where we've had a period of four to six weeks where interns have come on and they've volunteered their time to really kind of just vet the process to see if it's an opportunity that we can invest in, that they're willing to invest their time and experience that they feel is valuable. So we date a little bit before we get serious. And that works out. It, uh, it motivates the interns to, to get on board. Um, it shows on their part that they're willing to put some skin in the game and that it's not just you making an investment. And because we've taken the time ahead of time to define the expectations amongst all parties, we're both able to enter into an agreement where the expectations are outlined and we can both sign a, a our values, our, our expectations, um, our agreement, um, however it is that you choose to uh, to call, you know, that, that relationship that you're building with them so that they understand that they're going to learn, you're going to teach, and they'll give, and so will you. Mm -hmm. If you could name sort of the top three skills that you think somebody should receive from a co-working internship, what would those be? 
for, well, particularly to to co-working, I think as far as the co-share internship goes, um, I have a list that I created on kind of our structure and things that were important um, for us. So I've already mentioned that at the start of our internship program for kosher, we developed a preliminary plan with, um, we developed the preliminary plan with insight from our board members, making sure that, um, that it was gonna be a mutual relationship. After that, it was about making sure that the many opportunities that the interns would have um, within the association was shared within um, within the uh, co-working industry, but then also shared spaces in general. So giving them the education on what co-working is, what maker spaces are, the difference between all of the shared uh, space hybrids, and then being able to identify um, the basic structure of a business incubator versus an accelerator. At the same time, um, giving them the understanding of what the greater state of entrepreneurship is on a local scale and then also a national scale and just a peek into how that's impacting how co-working is impacting um the world on a global scale mm -hmm. so that that's the the one thing the other thing are basic things that will brush them up to prepare for a career whether it being co-working or their own success paths as they see it. So it's confidence building. It's, um, it's really helping them identify where they lie by in the world by putting them through um, great personality uh, assessments like the Myers-Briggs and doing some self-discovery, um, uh, teaching them a lot of tools that they've never been exposed to in college. Um, things that we take for granted, you know, as as professionals in the industry, and assume that these people come on that will come on board and will just be able to jump on, but it's also required um, for us to teach them Mailchimp and to teach them um, Google Apps and and um, social media applications, how to integrate them, like Hootsuite and those types of things. So um, a lot of what you're doing is really teaching and preparing and brushing up their skills. So one of the things that the organization has, has prepared themselves for as we're preparing them is the influx of time that will be required to support the internship program. It requires time not only um, for me as a manager, but then also from all of the the board members from kosher mm -hmm. as they say it it takes a village yeah. <laughs> and so in terms of the amount of time that is required um how how do you i know that you're an incredibly busy entrepreneur um and um volunteer for kosher um, and put a lot of time on a weekly basis into kosher you're also a parent a single parent um, and how do you balance your workload with balancing this training of a workforce, um, which is there to provide value and to, um, to take the workload off of you. And yet, um, in order to make sure that, that they're able to work, you have to do a lot of training for them. So talk to us about 
that balance and um, any tips you have for um, people in the co-working world to um, to really look at setting up their internship program and how much time they'll need on a weekly basis just to work with the interns, let alone um, manage the work that the interns are doing. Sure. So a lot of the like is done preliminary, right? When you're setting those expectations and you're wanting to identify what the needs of the organization are going to be and once the actual uh, recruitment process has started and you have an intern on board and you're running the internship program, you should have enough resources in play to be able to guide you from one week to the next, which was a huge step that has really benefited me in being able to create that balance. Mm -hmm. Patience is another thing, right? So you could, prepare ahead of time and conclude from previous experience what I thought the results of this preliminary plan that we developed would be. But things happen. And um, there are new skills a lot of times and some people uh, adopt newer skills easier. And it, it's also a huge requirement on both our parts to step outside of our comfort zone and out of the box. And with mm -hmm. that, emotions fly. So mm -hmm. it's a it's management of of time and and resources that have already been pre-developed, but at the same time, it's that human aspect that we're allowing ourselves space to be able to grow as an organization with individuals that are also interested in growing personally and have a nuance on, on, in the industry. Mm -hmm. So it's patience in all honesty, um, lots of it, but it's also huge reward to be able to see and uh, that things aren't, that, that things are progressing, even though things may not um, be falling into place as perfectly as you had planned. So mm -hmm. it does take some pivoting and it definitely takes constant communication, a lot of trust and, and faith and meeting once a week for um, just check-in sessions, regular check-in sessions. So we do that um, once a week, we meet for about an hour and a half and we use our uh, program management tool Asana and also Slack. Um, to communicate and to keep track of our tasks and um, develop a lot of templates the first like 90 days of the internship program and you'll start seeing within about four and a half five months how uh, the interns confidence just starts to build when they when they do a lot of kind of like the necessary foundational work the grunt work and they start seeing things come to fruition. They start seeing their creative work highlighted um, through the association. They can see their the impact that they're making within the industry. And that's when things get really fun and time is uh, well spent at that point. Yeah, which is a big investment. Five months feels like a lot. Absolutely. What you're really trying to do is take the word workload off of a single person or, or a multi-person team. What if a space um, is, is, you know, at the level of financial 
um, or the, the financial margins within the business just can't afford to pay an intern. Um, is it, is that a non-starter? Does that mean that, um, you know, you, you really can't look to hire an intern or is there something that you can offer as um, a tip for people to um, create, uh, you know, some type of an internship program that offers <clears throat> uh, credit through the local university or in some way rewards them, as you mentioned earlier. They either need to be paid or they need to be rewarded in some way. Sure. So um, other types of reward that are non-monetary, um, the, the common spiel that you'll hear from people when they're wanting to recruit more of a volunteer uh, type intern is obviously the reward for them is the experience, the connections, etc. All, all of the things that you can imagine. But that is a great reward. But if the organization is um, making money, the interns should as well in one way or, one way or another, whether it be through a stipend, um, offering to maybe pay off a student loan, offering a scholarship for the upcoming semester, mm -hmm. and also maybe reaching out to um, local potential sponsors that have a high interest in developing young professionals and see the value of them going through the internship program and requesting their support to see if they'd be willing to uh, maybe match a stipend that your, that your uh, co-working space organization is, is willing to offer the intern. And you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people who really are passionate about wanting to help youth and, and, and help them develop so that either to keep them in their communities or, or to help them grow within you know, an organization and prepare them with specialized skills. And they just don't know how to give back. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you reaching out to those individuals as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you mentioned, credit at the university is always an opportunity if you take the time to build those relationships early with the career services department at the local university. Mm -hmm. I know of people who have staffed their front desk with interns and then offered um, the interns the option to offer their services basically as a concierge um, to the members, um, which so, you know, the, the, the manager um, staffed the front desk and paid the intern to be there, but also basically acted as an agent to the members to um, to allow the intern to earn extra work or to earn extra money if they wanted to by doing concierge type projects for the members, you know whether it be writing, printing, collating documents, small projects. Um, I could see that this could be a really good model for um, you know if you had some type of an internship where you had you couldn't afford to pay the intern, but you could guarantee them some type of work um, through the community. And uh, one of the things that I like about that is that it does involve the members and it really allows the interns to interact with the members directly uh, in a much more authentic or real way. Um, I can also see this, though, uh, having some problems if, uh, you know, if you're charging the members 
um, for the intern's time and then uh, a broker fee or something in there, a management fee. Um, do you have any thoughts on this and this type of a model? Yeah, we tried we tried something like that out um, previously. The the greatest obstacle that we had in overcoming is really creating a balance with the interns availability because school does come first and that mm -hmm. should always be more important um, for them than the internship program themselves. Um, so allowing them time to be able to create that balance between class, the internship program at uh, the co-working space and then managing additional time to match the members time, you know, so it's, it does take a little orchestrating, but as you stated, the benefits are really high because it allows them to be able to establish those really important relationships with business professionals that lie outside of those co-working creators or, or founders. And ultimately those relationships married with the experience that they earn from the co-working space directly and the members themselves is, is just going to really um, empower them to be able to um, approach opportunities as they come or reach out for opportunities um, if, if, if they're not being advertised and, and they're interested in, in a certain uh, industry or you know, that type of, of uh, involvement. So it's a good thing, mm -hmm. but you can't schedule it. You have to understand that those, that the availability won't be perfect and that it'll take, again, just another layer of orchestration and understanding of expectations between, again, all the parties. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the experiences that I had, um, you know, we used interns a lot at NextSpace Santa Cruz um, because we were part of, or we had a partnership with the university, with the Innovation Center up at University of California at Santa Cruz. Um, and so in the beginning, we had, you know, we went through the business department and then, um, well, we went through the business department and we were looking for both a business student and somebody who was more along the lines of a communications type of person who would be more um, in marketing and, and communications um, or focus more on the marketing and communications. And um, we developed over the several different ways to think about what a co-working internship would be. Um, in the beginning, it felt like social media, a social media internship is really relevant because, you know, this was back in 2009 and social media was just beginning to become a, a common marketing technique in companies. But there were, were very few social media, quote unquote, experts or positions, um, community manager, online community manager, which just goes hand in hand with social media um, in, in most companies. Um, that morphed into um, community manager internships. And, and by community manager, I mean, you know, in real life, um, um, in-person community, as opposed to um, more of the online community management. Um, and then we, we sort of started looking at um, the internships as time management interns, <laughs> internships 
because so much about what happens in co-working is about learning how to manage your time really well and really effectively and to be able to complete all of your tasks. So I really see a varied possibility in what somebody could offer to an intern, what kind of skills they could take away. Um, and if they find that they've, they've caught the co-working bug and they don't want to leave the co-working industry, then being placed or, or taking a job in a co-working space is ideal for them. But those skills can be applied across the board, as you mentioned earlier. So in a marketing department or in a nonprofit, um, you could take a community manager internship or even a time management internship and move that um, into any type of work that you're going to be doing in the future. So um, tell us a little bit more about how we can access CoShare's internship program or what, what the future plans are for CoShare's internship program. If somebody wanted to be able to either be, have one of the interns placed that we had trained or perhaps get a hold of um, the documentation that you've created around the internship and use that to develop their own internal internship program. Sure. So we are at about our fifth month since the launch of our um, pilot program for Kosher. And as you mentioned, uh, with Kosher, we also started with a communications intern because that's what made most sense to us. After uh, piloting our uh, communications intern, we then um, brought on a secondary intern uh, to work more, more specifically with membership and then uh, exploring the possibility of us um, maybe changing the way in which kosher has been established into maybe a 501c status. So these two in interns have a, a some experience, either a degree or a business idea that they want to venture in the future where the skills that we're teaching them through this uh, co-share internship model um, is going to help support them whether they choose to continue on a career in the co-working industry or they learn these great skills and they take them elsewhere. Um, our current interns that, that we have on board, they're two. Um, one is uh, uh, just recently graduated in May with her undergrad, and we have uh, a second intern who is working on her master's. And it's been a really great experience to have two interns with two different majors, two, two different interests, uh, with a passion for co-working having very little experience to start with, but realizing and catching that bug that we all have for the industry and recognizing that the benefits are, are they're huge, they're wide. I mean, there's just so much to learn and so many skills that you acquire by operating a space, which is not the experience that they're gaining. Mm -hmm. The experience that they're gaining through co-share is understanding um, the co-working world as outsiders, mm -hmm. which with, with support from an entire board of real co-working operators. Mm -hmm. So they've toured a lot of co-working spaces. They can see how the skills that they're learning are applied into a space, but they have the ability to not get 
stuck in the day-to-day -day operations of it with the support of the board members and develop and begin really to develop this really great package for co-working spaces based off of the experience that we're gaining by running the program. Mm -hmm. So big picture, we wanna be able to offer you a toolbox for you to open and run a, an internship program, a successful internship program in your spaces with uh, not having to do all of the preliminary legwork that kosher is already doing for you so the idea is to perfect the model to um, build the toolbox and to offer it to our members who are interested who need that support and um, continue to to support them you know through throughout the process uh, through the support of our interns uh, that in the future, right? Once the, the, the pilot has completed and, and we bring on other interns and then just continue to improve upon um, the, the program as we're gaining new experience and the industry changes and we grow and, and however, however that may be. So the community manager wears a lot of hats mm -hmm. and if the internship program can um, groom individuals, and prepare them for and and lay the expectations up front and and additionally aside from um adopting an internship program in your co-working space you could potentially hire on pre-groomed community managers that relieve those co-working operators and creators founders of the headache of bringing them up to speed teaching them about what co-working is um, laying those expectations of members if if you could you know pull an intern an intern off the rack uh, or a community manager off the rack that's essentially what we're trying uh, we're working toward developing for uh, shared space models not just co-working spaces but also maker spaces and any other type of hybrid that currently exists and that hat doesn't exist yet right so with that uh progressive kind of thinking of improving upon the program year to year awesome stephanie um just a little bit <clears throat> uh you mentioned <clears throat> being a millennial in the beginning of the conversation and um most co-working spaces that have staff um, are working with millennials, not all. Um, sometimes people are finding somebody in who can, you know, take a, take a position at a co-working space who has been in the workforce for a long time, somebody more from my generation. Um, but um, most often, um, people who take co-working um, jobs, I've, I've found at least, are um, you know, just out of college or have had a, a couple of jobs but haven't really sort of started down their career path. And so in, in my experience of, of hiring and managing, um, I worked with a lot of millennials. And um, it's actually a particular aspect of the job that I really enjoyed. I really um, appreciated that, that opportunity. Um, I have also done so in, in past companies um, where I've worked. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> millennials get 
somewhat of a bad rap. Um, there's a lot of science out there about working with millennials. There's a lot of um, discussion amongst the people of my generation, Generation X people, that um, that uh, you know the the millennial generation doesn't understand, <clears throat> doesn't have a good work ethic, or doesn't understand you know how to work, or wants to move too quickly, isn't willing to put in the time. Um, I didn't find these things to necessarily be. I more had the experience that, um, <clears throat> you know, and of course this is a, a very generalized um, conversation, but I more had the experience that if I took the time to actually um, get to know this person and develop a relationship with them, um, and then even more importantly, if I took the time to listen and to offer support um, around the process that the person was going through around any issues that they might be having or issues that they might be raising, that I was much more likely to have a positive, basically a net positive win-win outcome come out of that than if I took the, well, you should be thankful you have a job in this economy approach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I welcome feedback. I welcome ways to improve the company. You know, I welcome um, ways that we can um, uh, build a better system for everybody to work within, while at the same time needing to constantly provide um, a set of boundaries around what's doable today versus what's doable in the future that we need to work towards. Yeah, And I really found that drawing on my parenting skills was in a lot of ways, I also communication, I've done a lot of communication training, but my parenting skills was in a lot of ways the things that really helped me the most. But not everybody is a parent. And so <clears throat> can you give us as a millennial and as somebody who manages people just out of college, brand new to the workforce, um, can you give us some tips on um, you know, how to work in a way that honors everybody's experience. Respect and awareness. So the, the first thing that you need to consider with working with other generations is that the communication is broken. And that is not a co-working thing. It's, a, it's an issue that bleeds outside of this industry, this movement. Um, it, there's a, a great need for mentors uh, from previous generations, whether that be X or the traditionalist or you know whichever generation to be patient with this newer generation and stop putting titles on us. We're different. We grew up in a different world in a completely different paradigm. And that's not our fault. But if we were to blame anybody it's that we're not communicating the younger generation does not know how to talk to the older generations and the older generations definitely don't know how to talk to the younger generations we literally are speaking a different language <laughs> and we have different understandings of the world and different values that go along with that and if we can respect the fact that that is the truth in the world and we're aware of our differences and we can be patient and not critical toward one another 
those are the two traits that I have adopted within myself to be able to survive in, um, in the workforce as a millennial, but at the same time, um, also be able to manage uh, millennials and now the, the, the Y generation, right? I mean, they're, they're just uh, w what will feel like a week away from coming onto the, the, the workforce and filling some of these roles in our industry. We're different. And we all need to learn from one another. But if we're willing to give as much as receive and we're willing to allow ourselves to grow professionally and sharpen our leadership skills as managers, we will be fine. The one thing that I will tell you that millennials and those generations that will follow us, uh, we don't want bosses. We want leaders. We want um, partners we we want to feel involved and and we want to know that we're uh, a part of of something bigger and that our hours that we invest and uh is is meaningful and it's appreciated doesn't mm -hmm. sound that crazy to me as a millennial but <laughs> you but you'd be amazed at um the swing a whip type of you know personalities that that do exist out there the the demanders the um, aggressive you know i pay you you do this kind of type personalities that still exist in the world and it's really discomforting mm -hmm. and uh, very discouraging for for uh, a lot of the 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 younger kind of generation to to want to really just work for anybody <laughs> so there's a lot of opportunities nowadays for us to be able to work for ourselves which is great um but for for those of us that that um also get really great opportunities to work for others um also be respectful and just be aware of, of your surroundings and and communicate what your expectations are yeah well, I have certainly found, um, and I think that this is confusing to most um, people from my generation, um, I have certainly found that in, in, in working with millennials, that millennials need a lot of feedback. Um, they require it, actually, in order to um, feel like um, they are in that partnership that you mentioned. Um, and I think a lot of people can be threatened by this idea of, needing to give feedback. Um, and so when I talk to people who are worried about this level of feedback, um, you know, I talk about, you know, encouragement um, and as well as critical feedback. And that's really what, um, in my experience, um, people of your generation are looking for is to, is to have the ability to sit down and hear yes, you're doing this really well, I really appreciate this about you. And also to hear, here's where I see a room for improvement. Um, and I actually find that it, it took a little while getting used to because this isn't something that my generation ever had. It wasn't something that we requested, of course. We were, we're, we're, you know, we're sort of the in-between, the sandwich generation in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, between the baby boomers and the millennials. Um, but I found it refreshing because it opens a dialogue 
um, a lot amongst the team that allows for peer feedback and the 360 review process, if you will, to be something that benefits everybody. And um, so when people are worried about this, what I, what I really try to encourage is, you know, it doesn't have to be a big sit down meeting. It's not, you're not giving a sta a, 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 an employee review every week, but do check in, you know, give mm -hmm. a call to your, your employee and say, how's it going? What do you need from me this week to be successful mm -hmm. in what you're doing? Um, uh, do you have all of the tools that you need? Is there anything that you don't understand? Uh, is there anything I can help you with? Um, the other thing that I've noticed about working with the millennial generation is that um, while there is um, a, a large sense of, um, I think, amongst my generation that millennials want to be handheld through things and they need, um, they need somebody to... Um, guide them through the process and be there with them. What I find is as long as this person has the proper training, the proper tools, and the support network to reach out to when they need it, they're actually very likely to be to take high levels of ownership around what they're doing and very likely to be willing to jump in, get work done, and make decisions on their own and run with it. Um, and that's, of course, a personality thing as well as a generational thing. So not everybody in this generation, um, in, in your generation, does that. But that has been my experience. Um, I think that you're right. And oftentimes, as maybe senior leaders, um, bringing in somebody who is a millennial or in a very short future uh, younger, um, there's an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. that I think oftentimes is just overseen mm -hmm. at both ends. So there is a responsibility from the senior executives to teach um, as, as well as, as uh, opening themselves to the opportunity to learn because they do hire uh, or, or millennials are being hired to take on these tasks that X and boom didn't need to work with and that they quite honestly, don't have the experience to manage on their own. But at the same time, they don't want to respect the individual for who they are. Mm -hmm. So it's um, respect, <laughs> you know, and just, and just getting, getting to, to know the person and um, really just outlining those, those expectations. And nowadays with, the, with the, the workforce changing completely different, I mean, a lot of positions are being created based on um, on, on your contribution, right? So if mm -hmm. your performance, if, if you're not performing in, in the position, um, you, you likely won't be guaranteed a job for 40 years and get to do it with a pension and move on to something different. And that's all part of that same awareness for um, senior leaders is the understanding that these younger generations that are coming in and taking on these positions aren't following the same path that was made available to you, that path for these younger generations, it's, it's undefined. It's a, we're taking one step at a time, not really knowing where our future is headed. And at the same time with this incredible eagerness of wanting to give back, wanting to make an impact. And oftentimes for a lot of millennials, we wanna change the world. 
we want to improve upon um, stumbles that previous generations had. And we're sick of the finger pointing and the blame that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. We want to communicate. We, we want to make that change. So it's not just co-working, as I said, you know, it's a, it's a bigger discussion, a global discussion um, that needs to be had. And, and quite frankly is. Wow. So let's be hopeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely um, diverted the conversation from internships into millennials, which um, I think, <laughs> I think could be um, its own topic completely. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we're out of time. Tell us how somebody can get in touch with you to find out more about the CoShare internship program or if they just want to learn about creating internships in their space right now, even before that's available, um, or if they're having trouble managing an intern, can they, can they reach out to you? Yes, please reach out to me. I would love your, your feedback on the information that we shared here today, your questions about establishing um, your own internship programs within your space. Um, if you've tried something before and uh, there's uh, something that you want to share with us that we could potentially um, uh, troubleshoot through the pilot program that we have through kosher and really help uh, refine that toolbox that I mentioned we really want to hear from you you know as as one community to the next uh, you're welcome to contact me um, directly through intern at koshare.co great so that email address again is intern at koshare.co Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful thank you, thank you with you. Likewise. And viewers, thank you um, for joining us today. Um, apologies for the technical difficulties that we had with this show and for the subsequent audio um, issues that you may have experienced um, with this live broadcast. Um, I will find out in just a couple minutes how the recording sounds. <laughs> um, Please um, visit next week again. I will be talking with Kat Johnson, um, who is a member of the co-working space that I'm a member of here in Santa Cruz. She is quite a, an amazing woman. She um, guest writes for Shareable Magazine. She covers the co-working um, movement as a writer for Shareable. Kat has most recently uh, launched her own content creation platform. Um, you can catch Check it out at catjohnson.co. Please join us uh, next week at 10 a.m. to hear about creating content for your community that gets you noticed in your outside community and also tells your community story. See you next week.